G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 10 of This Week in Startups Australia. In Series 10, Twista has a singular focus. We are identifying and sharing the stories of Australia's world-changing startups. These are the startups that, when they go from zero to one, really do change the world. And not just the startups, but the founders, the investors. Australia is stepping up with some of our brightest sparks working hard to change the world. So come along our journey as we shine a bright light on one of Australia's world-changing startups. They come from fields as diverse as food, housing, energy, and more. These startups at scale will truly change the world. So who's first on our list? We'll find out on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by User Testing. With User Testing, you'll understand it from your customer's perspective. Get real-time feedback real fast. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. Visit usertesting.com slash twista for a free trial. User Testing, real human insight. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Zendesk. Zendesk helps startups build lasting customer experiences from the ground up with the Zendesk for Startups program. Learn more at zendesk.com slash twista. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Our Crowd. Our Crowd finds companies with the greatest growth potential and brings them to you. They believe in their deals. They invest in them too. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at ourcrowd.com slash twista. changing. It's quite a word. It's a lot to live up to. And it means more than one thing. It's not just about a great scientific discovery, though that's incredibly important, or an amazing technical breakthrough, though that's really important too. But there are plenty of things that can change the way we live, and those count as world-changing, maybe even more so. Now, as we go through this list of Australia's world-changing startups, I want to come back to the four key metrics we identified in our last episode. Metric one, an idea that actually makes the world better. Metric two, it's within the realm of scientific and technical achievability. Metric three, it's economically rational. That means it has a business model. And metric four, there is manageable execution risk. That's the filter through which we will be viewing each of these world-changing startups. And the first on the list, this is one that I actually know well. And in the interests of full disclosure, it's, it's one that I've done some consulting for in my capacity as a futurist. That company is V2 Food. They make, well, we call them alternative proteins or fake meat or what have you, things that taste like meat, but they're made from plants. We often call them plant-based meats. They used to be uncommon, and now they're popping up everywhere. And V2 Food is a big part of that. Now, the founder and CEO of V2 Food is Nick Hazel. And back in 2020, as V2 Food was nearing its first major product release, that's the mints that you can find basically on every supermarket shelf in Australia now, 
That's when I sat down with Nick to discuss his penny drop moment for V2 Food. And we really didn't get started until the 17th of January 2019, actually. So 18 months ago was when we really started. And that that sort of date sticks in my mind because um, I was in San Francisco at the time. Um, Phil was there as well. And we'd, we'd, we were going to this alternative protein conference in San Francisco. And the seed money um, came in on that date on the 17th of January, um, which is also the date that the Eat Lancet report was published. And so that that date sort of means something to, to me because the Eat Lancet report sort of lays out this whole scenario and and problem, which is essentially that we can't feed the planet with 10 billion people if we carry on eating the diet that we're currently eating. And, and that kind of framed up what V2 Food was all about, was actually coming up with a sustainable system for, for the food that we like to eat. What was also interesting about that conference was that was that uh, there were lots of CEOs of lots of alternative protein companies. And I reckoned I was the only non-vegan actually in the room. And it kind of felt a bit uncomfortable. But also it was interesting because, you know, when I was teaching innovation, you get you in, in design thinking, you always get taught around um, what's the problem space? What's the problem you're actually trying to solve? And for me, it wasn't a problem of of making the world vegan. The problem was that we're eating too much meat. And um, and it's not sustainable. And so I think framing it up in that way was really quite helpful to us as V2 Food. So that's point one. It's a truly world-changing idea that we need to be able to feed the planet with a high-protein diet, but it's nearly impossible to do that if we're all eating a lot more meat. Okay, so there's your world-changing tick. Now, is it technically doable? Nick was working with Jack Cowan, the self-made billionaire behind Hungry Jack. So Nick had a very high bar to meet to create a plant-based meat product that was good enough to be served in a Whopper. And Nick told me how all of that went. The reality was Jack laid the the goal out to us early on. Um, He wanted to have uh, the equivalent of a Whopper, but but a a, a vegan alternative or a a sustainable alternative. And um, so that was the job that to be done. So we were very much focused on delivering a Whopper. And the good news is, is that the Whopper is quite a difficult thing to, to produce. It, it goes through a, a sort of a flame grill, which is a pretty intensive cook. Um, so you've got to survive that. And it has a particular sort of smoky taste, which we need, need to deliver for, to, to be a true Whopper. Um, but a lot of the other problems to be solved were the same problems um, as you have for all meat and particularly for mince. So, so what we found was that in solving it for the Whopper, um, there were a couple of good things that came out of it. One was that it could be produced in the same factory that could produce the Whopper. So, so, we dis- so in solving it for the Whopper, we actually kind of productionized our system so that it was scalable. Um, and the other was we found and in parallel while we were developing the Whopper, we, we always did a side experiment to, to, to look at what did the mince look like. You know, so we were developing the mince to form into a patty, but on, on the side we were doing side experiments just to see if does this cook up like mince. And so once we'd done the Whopper, and that was that was about June, so it, it was about four months of, of incredible, intensive product development and iteration. I think we were on recipe number 57. Um, by the time we got Jack over the line and his team um, to, to, to launch the, the Rebel Whopper, but by then we'd, we'd already de- developed a lot of the technology and it was relatively simple for us to start developing the, the other products that we that we're now launching. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. When we return, we'll take a look at how Nick took his world-changing idea to scale. 
Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Whether you're launching a new product, prototype, or marketing campaign, you'll get video feedback straight from the people you want to reach most. The user testing human insight platform lets you understand it all from their perspective, and it allows you to target your exact audience, ask any question, or request to perform tasks, and most valuably, get a window into their world. Unlike focus groups, which can take weeks or even months to deliver results, with user testing, you get to see real reactions and hear real opinions really fast, in real time, at the speed business demands. Very quickly, you get insights into what's working and what's not, so you can adjust your message, refine your UI, and understand exactly how people are responding to and interacting with your product, service, or brand. The result? You feel what your customer feels, so you can build the best experience imaginable. For a free trial, visit usertesting.com slash twista. User testing, real human insight. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. We're doing a deep dive into our first world-changing startup, V2 Food. And we're hearing from founder and CEO Nick Hazel about what it took to bring a plant-based meat product to market. There's need. There was a technological pathway, but could it scale? Food is known as a fast-moving consumer good. It's all about scale. It's all about speed. It's all about supply. So how do you do that and still make a profit? And as Nick points out, it's really much more than making Whoppers for Hungry Jacks. I mean, the fast food and the Burger King and Hungry Jacks is important. Um, but in terms of the total volume of, of meat that's consumed, it's a relatively small part. And in, in, in Australia, if you're going to make a difference in terms of the amount of meat that people eat, you really have to be in retail. Um, and it's retail mince, actually. So mince, mince sausages and burgers are probably the three, three biggest retail items. So um, always in the back of our head was, was um, how do we get into those uh, into those um, into that retail space. It's fair to say that COVID had kind of changed our plans a little bit in terms of where our emphasis was going to be. We thought we were going to be more in food service um, than retail initially, but uh, we very quickly realised that retail was was where we needed to be. Um, but the good news is is that the same meat factories that um, that make burgers also make you know mints in trays, and and we have another partner that is already doing that for major supermarkets. We did a, a, a trial, um, I'm just thinking when that was, it was probably the back end of last year, with a, with a meat factory, obviously with a full clean down and all the rest of it. Our products are vegan and certified vegan. But in, a, in the course of a trial, we managed to make um, mincemeat in, in two sizes. We'd made sausages, we made meatballs, and we made patties. And that was basically in a morning's work. So that means that effectively, if we take our ingredients, which we manufacture and we, you know, our sort of secret sauce, if you like, we take it to a meat supplier and we blend it and mix it and then send it down the line. It basically works like meat. And that's important because it's got to work like meat for, for the meat factory so that they don't incur extra costs. Let's face it, they are the most efficient. They've been getting more and more efficient over decades. So no one's going to compete with them for efficiency. I mean, when you design a new business, you've got to think as much about the business model as you, as you do about the, the product. So 
obviously job one is to create something that tastes fantastic because we're ruled by taste with food. You don't you don't buy something again if it doesn't taste good. Um, but also for uh, somebody who goes to a Coles and a Woolies and, and buys meat and, and bulks at the price, you know, it's the most expensive item in my in my uh, shopping uh, trolley. It was clear to me that whatever we had to do, it had to be at an equivalent price to to meat. And and so always in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, how do we do this in a way that's going to be comparable in price? And then the other thing that I think is important is if you frame this up as a global problem, and and the problem in terms of a you know a, a trillion dollar problem or a you know a hundred million tons of meat sort of that sort of s- scale then you've got to tackle it in a different way. You've got to tackle it so that it's mass market, that it appeals to everybody, and also that it's scalable, that that it doesn't require hundreds of billions of dollars of investment. So one of the things that that did emerge, I guess, from from working in this space was that that we would we would probably have to work and want to work with the meat industry to make this happen. And the good news about that is if you're working with the meat industry, then they're not automatically your enemy. And I think that, you know, too often you don't take into account stakeholders who who you, you look at the stakeholders who want you, but you also got to look at the stakeholders who who might want to block you and might not want you, and, and f- try and figure out how can you create a, something that will be a positive for everybody who can influence, or as many people as you can. And um, I think that's something that's, that's that's come out in our business model. Um, we really think that we can work with the meat industry and in Australia, in particular. We're in a, a great advantage sort of situation because. The reality is, is that most of the meat that we make in Australia is exported. So, so it's a win-win. You know, we can we can export way more plant-based meat than we could ever do animal-based meat, and that's a great news story for for the Australian farmers and for the Australian meat industry. And, and we've been talking about that right from the very start. Okay, so that is a tick for business model and economic rationality. Now, what about execution risk? Well, we'll hear from Nick about that when we return. You're listening to this week in Startups Australia. The fastest growing companies have great products and great customer service. You build the great product and Zendesk will help you build great customer experiences that make your customers come back, just like Jason Calacanis. Jason has a very public obsession with amazing customer service and relies on Zendesk for his launch syndicate. Jason's limited partners use Zendesk to reach out to him for each of his deals. Zendesk also handles inbound inquiries from startups looking for investors. Zendesk helps Jason provide the kind of customer service he demands. Apply for the Zendesk for Startups program to get their industry-leading customer service software free for six months. You'll also get access to Zendesk's community of startup founders and partners, plus dedicated onboarding guidance and support. Zendesk has everything you need to deliver the amazing customer experiences that will make your product a success. To learn more about Zendesk for Startups, visit zendesk.com slash twista. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. We've identified the first of our world-changing startups, V2 Food. 
Founder and CEO Nick Hazel has spent a lot of time crafting a great-tasting plant-based meat substitute and figuring out how to produce it at scale. But, well, what about the competition? Can he really do this? And that's metric four, execution risk. All right, so what does that look like in five years' time? Where are we in terms of the average Australian? How much plant-based meat is an average Australian eating as a percentage of the sort of their total protein-ish intake in five years? Does it change a lot or is it changing slowly? Oh, it, it'll change a lot. Um, I mean, we're sort of saying that the, the category should, should tr- we want to triple the category in, in very, very short uh, space of time. And we're kind of saying that it, it's, it's perfectly reasonable to be sort of 10% of, of the category. Um, and that's the meat category. Um, but I mean, ultimately, if you look at the, the the global problem, it should grow to more than that. And again, if you can deliver exactly the same sort of sensory experience, maybe better sens- sensory experience, um, and you're relatively cheap, and you have a good, credible story about about how this is better for the planet, how it's less carbon, ideally that it's actually carbon negative. There's no reason why, if we're made from plants, that we can't be net carbon negative, i.e., you know, we're putting carbon back into the soil uh, net. Um, then there's no reason why it can't be more than more than ten percent. From our business perspective, the reality is that Australia isn't the problem, even though we are the biggest meat eating cap- per capita in the world. I think I think we're well, actually we may be second behind uh, either the US or um, maybe Korea. I think maybe is up there, but either way, oh, no, Hong Kong. I think um, if you regarded Hong Kong, I think they're the biggest, but. The, the fact is there's only a few of us in Australia. The growth in meat consumption is happening in Asia. That's where the, the biggest growth, from a low base, but it's it's growing. So that's actually where we need to be. And, and the way we kind of look at it is, is we want to be number one in Australia because we want to be part of that amazing export story where Australia exports meat to the rest of the world. And we want to ride on those, those, those uh, coattails because we want to export meat to the developing world and, and, and into Asia because that's where the growth in meat consumption is. That's why we're going to need to double the amount of meat that's being produced in, on the planet. So whether we get more than 10% in Australia is not, is not really the point. Um, the point is is that we have a springboard for, for launching into Asia. And does it end with beef mince or are there other, is, is there going to be pork mince? Is there going to be oh, chicken mince? Yeah, or? no, for sure. I mean, if we're, going to, if we're serious about Asia, then clearly it's got to be pork. So we were showing our pork development. So we started that about four and a half months ago. Um, so we've developed a pork mince and what's interesting about pork is that Chinese pork is actually quite different from Western pork. Um, it's a lot less porky. Uh, if you go to somewhere like Spain, for example, and you taste pig, it really, you know, it's pig. There's a, there's a lot of sort of interesting, funky flavors going on there. There's no mistaking that that was a, that was sort of a wild boar in there somewhere in China, it's actually very, very mild, and that's to do with, you know, and this is where you get into sort of the slightly unsavory part of the meat industry. You know, the, the pigs are castrated at a very, very young age, sort of days old, which means they don't have a, a marked sort of um, a porkine sort of flavor. So we were developing actually for a dumpling to be sold in China. So the flavor systems are actually equivalent for that. And we showed that in Shanghai uh, two weeks ago. There was, a, uh, there was a chef in in Shanghai, took our product, cooked it up in a number of dishes which were typical um, in Shanghai, and uh, his reaction was 
was it's unprintable actually i can't say it but it was it was really really good <laughs> it was the something bomb is what he called it and uh it worked and we designed it that way so it, it wasn't a surprise but the reaction was really really good and there you have it now since we recorded this v2 food has gone global they're into china and in europe they're possibly the fastest growing startup in australia today we know about them because they're in the supermarket, but they're well on their way to becoming a global brand, a product that at scale will change the world. We'll be right back. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across the global private market, including Australia, where startups brought in a record $4.2 billion in investments. Our crowd identifies those companies with the greatest growth potential, then brings them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics, quantum computing, and more, our crowd identifies innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest early. Our crowd is the fastest growing venture capital investment community. Sophisticated investors have already invested over $2 billion in growing tech companies. And our crowd has skin in the game. They invest in their portfolio companies and use their extensive networks to help those startups succeed. As a sophisticated investor, you can truly diversify your portfolio with early investments in innovative private market companies at our crowd. Join the fastest-growing venture capital investment community at OurCrowd.com slash Twista. Individual results may vary. There's no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. Invest wisely. Big thanks to Twista sponsors, User Testing, Zendesk, and Our Crowd. More big thanks to Nick Hazel for coming on to our show. This show was written and produced by Mark Pesci and beautifully mixed by Luke Station. Come visit our website at thisweekinstartups.au. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. So check it out at thisweekinstartups.au. Next week, we'll take a look at more of Australia's world-changing startups. You won't want to miss that. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening. <laughs>